same. The Big Fib. Let's play the game. The Big Fib. We're still on fire, busting liars. But now, the Big Fib. From Duck, North Carolina, it's the Big Fib. Wacky Khakis Edition. And now, your host, and a figment of my overactive imagination. Excuse me? Deborah Goldstein. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Big Fib. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and by my side, as always, in real life, mind you, is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. Thank you, Deborah. As usual, it's so very kind of you to show up inside my mind's eye. Okay, I feel I really need to nip this one right in the bud before it gets away from us. I am a real person not a figment of your imagination. You're the best imaginary friend I could ever ask for. Lisa, I am not your imaginary friend. I'm your actual friend. Where, I hesitate to ask, did you get the notion that I only exist inside your mind? Inside my mind? Yes, but you're wrong. I'm real. I exist in your mind and other people's minds because I'm real. But how do you know you're real? I know I'm real because I, well, because this is a... Okay, I don't actually know how I know I'm real, but I know I know, you know? No. Okay, well, this is giving me a real headache in my real head. Doesn't that make me real? Deborah, it's okay to be a character in my made-up universe. There's no shame in it. But how can I be a figment of your imagination if I exist for other people, too? My kids, the listeners, how would they know who I was if I only exist to you? How simple. They exist in your head, and you exist in my head. I myself only exist in a dream that a German Shepherd is having right now. And the German Shepherd is merely the subconscious ramblings of a night watchman who dozed off on the job. What about that is so hard for you to understand? Literally all of it. Well, don't worry your imaginary head off about it. Once the dog wakes up, we'll both cease to exist. Uh, okay. So before that happens, do you want to explain something I can actually wrap my brain around? Like, for instance, how our game is played? Of course, Deborah. Each time we play Wacky Khakis, at least in this dimension. No, oh, for goodness sake. Deborah and I each tell one crazy story about the world, but only one of those stories is true. And it's the job of two human contestants to figure out which story is the real one. Of course, in a larger sense, neither of them is true, since this reality only exists in- Lisa, enough with that stuff. Okay, okay. Within the confines of this reality, one of them is actually true. And here with us to referee the game and introduce this week's show is our producer, Noah. Welcome back to my mind palace, Noah. Hello there, Lisa. Hello, Deborah. So wonderful to be with you today. I hope that German Shepherd never wakes up. Oh. What a terrible thing to say. Oh, right. No, I meant so that we could all enjoy living in this dimension a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. It's great here. Okay. Anyway, our theme this week flightless birds. Hmm. Now, most birds are known for flying, of course, but this week we give a little love to their ground-bound brothers and sisters who are still birds nonetheless. We've got one story about emus this week and another one about penguins, and our contestants will have to figure out which one is true. Lisa, would you please introduce our human contestants? Our human child contestant is Jasmine Taylor from the skateboarding episode. But wait, there's more. She's joined by her dad, Vern. Woo! Hello, Vern. Hello, Jasmine. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having us. This is, the, this is the first time in the history of the show that we have ever had a kid and a parent on to play Wacky Khakis. So congratulations, Vern. 
for breaking the parent barrier. Yay. Thank you. And I have my khakis on, so I'm ready for the job. He's ready. Way to get into the spirit. Good. Jasmine, do you think you and your dad will make a good team guessing together? Uh, yes. I like that confidence. (laughs) Do you guys like to work together on other things? Well, sometimes when we're like putting stuff together, we do. Oh, like what, for instance? Trampoline, right? Like we did uh, our trampoline together. Wow. And we're setting up an Xbox together. Oh. Deborah won't let me get an Xbox. (laughs) You don't need an Xbox. Yeah, I mean, Lisa, look what happened when we let you have a trampoline. Fine. <laughs> and uh, tell me, do you have any opinions, any thoughts at all on flightless birds, ostriches, emus? <laughs> I thought maybe I played a few too many video games of Joust back in the day, but Joust, the ostrich actually flew within the video game. Oh. Um, penguins, Jess? Well, I don't think penguins are meant to fly. Yeah. No, why do they have wings then? What I are they don't doing know. with those? Just to flap, I guess. Why do they have jetpacks? <laughs> Okay, folks, it is time to play Wacky Khakis. On Wacky Khakis, as our longtime listeners well know, Deborah and Lisa each have a minute and change to tell their stories. We flipped a coin. An imaginary coin. Right. An imaginary coin. And it landed on imaginary heads, which means Lisa gets to go imaginary first. Are you ready, Lisa? I would imagine I am. (laughs) Okay. Listen up, everybody. Lisa will tell us his story now. Most people have no problem with the fact that emus cannot fly. They regard it as a fact of science and then move on with their lives. Or they don't think about it at all. But Jordan Blevins is not most people. (laughs) The 17-year-old son of emu farmers in Anacortes, Washington, Blevins raised over $12,000 on GoFundMe.com in 2018 to design a flying contraption for emus. Even if it's just for one magical moment, these beautiful birds deserve the chance to fly, he wrote on his fundraising page. It seemed that Blevins' pitch was doomed to die in obscurity until his GoFundMe page happened to be featured on a BuzzFeed article entitled The 10 Most Ridiculous Crowdfunding Projects Online Right Now. It's unclear if readers empathized with Blevins' heartfelt plea or if they were simply intrigued by the pure silliness of his endeavor. But either way, the donations poured in after the article came out, and Blevins exceeded his $8,000 goal and then some. There's only been one problem. Blevins is yet to reveal his emu flying invention to the public. He has described it as a hang glider type contraption in which the bird will be harnessed to a sailcloth and dropped over the pier at Vancouver Island, where it will, theoretically, glide for up to three minutes before landing safely in the water. Blevins has 10 more months to finish his project or he has to give the money back. Local ornithologist Rebecca LaFleur told the Anacortes Inquirer, Emus are strong and aggressive animals, and I don't think you could even strap one into that thing without getting yourself seriously injured. But even if you did accomplish it, there's no evidence that emus want to fly. If Blevins ever does reveal his contraption to the public and tries to make them fly, she intends to show up in protest. And time. Great job, Lisa. 
Okay, Vern, Jasmine, what did you think of that story? Would you donate to a flying contraption for emus? Uh, well, Lisa did say that there's no evidence of emus wanting to fly, so I wouldn't force them to fly if they didn't want to. Nice. Mm. That's a good point. You also, um, the emu being a very aggressive bird, mm. um, that's going to be quite a feat to connect a uh, emu to a flying contraption. A la the Wright brothers, I'm assuming you're saying, uh, Lisa. Listen, I just want to make it clear. I just report the news. I don't create it. Uh, I don't, you know what? If this guy wants to try and attach a bird to a machine, that's, you know what? Uh, machines are available to be attached to things. That's what we love to do. Can't speak for the bird, okay? You know, squirrels water ski, so. Exactly. They do? Thank you for recognizing some of our greatest work. Yes, of course, <laughs> squirrels water ski. <laughs> I was not aware. Yeah, people copied it from squirrels. Oh. Most wow. things people copied from squirrels. That's <laughs> Wow. You know how people, they find all those acorns and bury them each fall? Yeah, I do that. It started with squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was wondering where I got that idea. Mm. Okay. Now it is Deborah's time to take flight, or rather not take flight. Deborah, are you feeling ready? I am feeling ready. Okay. We will begin your timer now. In critical thinking, there is a principle known as Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is almost always the correct one. So in 1946, when a couple of beachgoers came upon a long line of strange footprints in the sand in Clearwater Beach, Florida, they, the local newspapers, and even national media outlets came to the simplest explanation that one could logically reach, that there was a giant penguin roaming the shores of Florida. The clear water monster, as it was known to some, left enormous tracks with three toes, each over one foot long and nearly a foot wide. NBC and the New York Herald Tribune sent a zoologist, Ivan T. Sanderson, down to Florida for two weeks to investigate the strange phenomenon. And Sanderson confirmed that a heretofore unknown species of giant penguin had made its home in the Sunshine State. It was 40 years later and more than a decade after Sanderson died that the truth came out. No, the giant tracks found on Clearwater Beach and then again 100 miles north on the Suwannee River were not left by a giant penguin, but rather by two regular-sized pranksters, auto mechanics Al Williams and Tony Signorini. The conniving pair had gone to the trouble of getting a blacksmith to make a huge pair of three-toed iron feet, which they then strapped to a pair of sneakers. The two men then rowed a boat out to shore where Signorini swam out and walked for two miles, jumping from step to step to make the tracks appear as though they came from a giant animal. When NBC's report about the giant penguin came out, the two decided to keep quiet and let Florida have its fictional monster. As for the eyewitness accounts from passersby and even the zoologist Sanderson himself claiming that they had seen the enormous penguin with their own eyes, the simplest explanation probably makes the most sense here as well. They really, really wanted it to be true. And time. Well done, Deborah. Okay, Taylors, your thoughts? Mm, I don't really know. Well, let's see. They strapped large iron feet to their sneakers, which is pretty hard to walk with those on. Um, but guys are pranksters like that. 
And then they walked on the beach. And did I hear you say they walked in the water also or stepped? Hmm. So they, they came from the water, out of a boat, onto the shore, back into a boat. Well, that could be false, but it may be a trick. Hmm. All right. Well, it is decision time. Time to figure out which one of our storytellers has their ducks in a row and which one will have to eat crow. Do you believe Lisa's account of the GoFundMe campaign for a flying emu contraption or Deborah's tale of the giant penguin hoax in Clearwater, Florida? Yeah, I think Lisa's is true. But Deborah's might be true also. Yeah. Well, just pick me, though. (laughs) Well, I think Lisa's had lots of very interesting facts that... Could be true. Yes, and there always is someone out there trying to be more helpful. And I think Deborah's is maybe like realistic fiction. Realistic fiction? So it could be true, but... It would be funny. It would be funny to have that monster. Um, (laughs) I think if we had to make a decision... I think that Lisa's is true. Okay, let's go with that. All right, you're going with Lisa's story of the flying contraption for emus. Let's find out, will the teller of today's real wacky khaki story please let us know who you are? It's me! That is correct. Deborah had the true story today with her wacky history of the giant penguin hoax. Here's something interesting. Millions of years ago, there in fact were such things as giant penguins. They were called, let me see if I get this right, Palea eudiptinae. I, I, I think that's right. Palea eudiptinae, as they are known, existed during the Miocene epoch and could grow to be the size and weight of an adult human. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. I would love to meet a, a, a real a real life giant penguin. That would be pretty cool. Wow. As for Lisa's story, no, unfortunately, there are no plans in the works to invent something to help emus fly. Although I do think if it could be done humanely, that, that is a, a go fund me i i would consider donating very interesting think about these poor emus who are just like i wonder what things look like when they're smaller (laughs) that's the reason we all want to fly to see what things look like when they're smaller yeah i just like what would if this house could look smaller because i was further away what would that be like (laughs) Hmm. All right. Well, that does it for this week's installment of Wacky Khakis. Thank you so much to our contestants, Vern and Jasmine, for having a bird's eye view of the truth. To Noah and Lisa for being the wind beneath my wings. And to all of you at home for listening to The Big Fib, where the truth is like a duck to water and lies go the way of the dodo bird. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media, which exists only inside the dream within a dream of a... Lisa, cut it out. Anyway, you can find uh, stuff about them at gzmshows.com. You can find more great imaginary podcasts, find out how you can participate, and submit questions for me to answer and ask Lisa. And follow us on social media at the Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And now I'm going to strap on to this emu and go for a ride. Bye, guys! (laughs) Oh, my God, there he goes! (laughs) 